1: Hi, welcome to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport, and I am having so much fun with this show. And I think the thing that amazes me the most is how many incredible celebrities, designers, newsmakers are saying yes when I call them to say, would you please be on the show? It's my first time doing this, and it's about animals. And I think that there is the very reason that they're saying yes. You know, it's amazing. In my career, I've gotten to interview so many wonderful newsmakers and celebrities over the years. But I have found that the one common denominator, I call it the icebreaker between me and the celebrity when I'm doing the interview, is if we share that common bond of our love for our animals. It's what I call a kinship. And I can tell you firsthand, I've been in unusual situations where you can be sitting with a celebrity. They might not be having a wonderful day. Something could be going on with their personal life. Who knows, right? You don't want to be intrusive. But when you connect on that level with our love for animals, there's something that happens between the two of you. And all of a sudden, the relationship becomes very open and warm and I have gotten my best interviews once we connect through our love of animals. Two examples that come to mind that were really pretty incredible many years ago when I saw it firsthand happen to me. I was interviewing Nicole Kidman for Moulin Rouge. Remember that wonderful film she did years ago? The irony though, during the press tour that she was on was at the very same time that she and her husband, Tom Cruise, had announced that they were divorcing. And you know, they were the it couple, the beautiful couple, one of the most famous couples. Nobody thought it could happen to them. And I was interviewing her literally on the heels of the announcement. Obviously, I have kind of prided myself and always have guided my career to be very sensitive to others. I'm not into getting the scoop at the cost of being too intrusive with a celebrity. I always want to be very sensitive to people's needs and what they may be going through at the time. So I knew that she was experiencing these feelings. I could see it in her eyes when she sat down for the interview. And I just felt like, boy, this could be one of those moments, one of those times where the interview might be a little bit more stilted, more formal, because she was going through something in her personal life. And I wanted to be sensitive to it. And I'll never forget it. So we're getting ready to do the interview. And at the time I had a flip top telephone and I didn't turn it off, which is your worst nightmare. You always have to have your phone off. And I said, oh my goodness, excuse me. Thank goodness we hadn't started rolling tape yet. And I flipped up the phone and it was my vet. And I said, Nicole, I'm so sorry, but I have a horse that's not feeling well. I just have to take this call for one quick second. And I think she really respected the fact, A, that I cared enough about my animals to understand that I needed to take this phone call, despite the fact that this major celebrity was sitting in front of me, we are getting ready to do the interview. I don't know how happy the publicist was, but she really, I think, respected that and admired that. And it was only a two-second phone call saying yes, gave the address to confirm everything. And I hung up and she said, oh, do you have a horse? And I said, yes, I do. And we got into this whole conversation about our love of horses. And she rode as a little girl and she rode in England and we talked about riding English. And I told her that I used to ride English and now I ride Western and how our animals just meant so much to us. And when we get on a horse, the feeling of riding and the connection and the bond. Well, I have to tell you from that brief moment of connecting, Through our love of animals, in this case, horses. I did one of the best interviews with her, and we were on a different level. There was a different sort of a connection. I could tell by looking at her eyes, she was looking at me in a different way. She knew how much I cared for my animals. And so I really believe we had such a great connection because of the animals. And I also believe that's why so many people are so excited to be on this show. It's such a great vehicle to be able to express our love and compassion. And one other story that I really found to be truly amazing was with the Oscar winner, Russell Crowe. I was getting ready to interview him for A Beautiful Mind. Now you know that was one of his best roles of all time. And first of all, everybody knows Russell's a little bit more formal. You know, he's not the type of person you can just run up to and give a hug you know, you respect the boundaries. I had never interviewed him before. And I was told that, you know, he he was a little bit more, uh, just, you know, take your time, get to know him and don't act like, you know, your old buddies, which is a kind of a theme that I've followed through my whole career. You never assume anything and you just are always showing utmost respect. Well, meanwhile, Russell comes in, sits down, very formal attitude. And, I was a little nervous because he didn't seem in a great mood. I have to be honest with you. But again, I had never interviewed him before. I didn't know him. I knew nothing about him. It seemed like he just wasn't himself or maybe was a little off that day. Who knows? But I didn't think that it was going to be one of those easy, breezy, fun interviews. So he sits down and I interview, when I interview a celebrity, I try to find out unusual things about them. Yes, of course, I care about the project. I want to know what went into doing the project, but I really try to find and read about them and things about them that you might not know and try to talk about those things that people might not know about that particular celebrity. And in my readings, I found that Russell, had a beautiful horse that he also adored. And he really got so much joy from this animal. The horse's name was Honey. And it was in this little obscure article from Australia that I found from a few decades ago that he had this horse that he adored. Well, I could sense he was a little tense. And before we started the interview, I just said, hey, how's Honey doing? And the look on his eyes, he looked up at he goes, How do you know about honey? And I said, Well, I read something about that horse and I understand you have an unbelievable relationship with her. And he said, Oh, she's so incredible. I love her. We bond. She's so amazing. When I go out to see her, she, you know, he went on and on and on. Again, just like Nicole Kidman, all of a sudden the whole interview took a turn and he was warm and loving and open and funny. And I'm not saying that that was the whole reason, but I definitely think that that was the icebreaker. Again, going back to my point that these people, you and I, when we love our animals so much, we have that kinship. We have that bond that we share, that we love to talk about. And that's why this show is so much fun for me to do. And I feel people are so receptive to doing it. And today we have another amazing celebrity with us. He is a true legend. He has won an Oscar, Golden Globe. He is just Broadway legend. We are talking about the one and only Joel Grey will be joining us. And of course, I will be joined again with my partner in crime, the legendary, renowned Broadway trainer, Bill Berloni, who takes these amazing rescue animals, takes them from the streets, puts them on the stage, and makes them stars. When we come back, we're going to catch up with Bill. And he has a very interesting topic to talk about today. These animals that we have rescued and saved and adopted and fostered during quarantine and some of the problems that he's hearing about from people, some of the experiences that they're having during this period for these animals. And he will be very helpful in his tips and his advice to those of you who have opened up your hearts and homes to these animals. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Planet.
2: The planets, You've landed at the Pet Entertainment Center of the Universe. Alert the paparazzi. This is Pet Life Radio, the ultimate animal adventure.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport. And again, my favorite time of the show, my partner in crime, the one and only Bill Berloni, Broadway trainer extraordinaire, What's so amazing, and I say it every show, but it can't resonate enough what this man does, he takes these animals from the streets, from shelters, and makes them superstars. And he is here again with me today to talk about something very interesting that's going on during the pandemic with these animals. And Bill, you and I were talking about this. We talk all the time because we're buddies. We talk on the phone. You know, I've noticed a change in my animals because Yes, they're used to having me around a lot, but not quite this much. And, you know, I'm the proud pet parent to six rescues. My Mm -hmm. dogs love seeing me. Stanley, my standard poodle, like, you again, mom? But, you know, I've noticed different changes in their personality because – I'm with them so much that even when I go out to take out the garbage, my dachshund acts like I've been gone for a month and he's been a little edgy. And for the very first time this week, I had to have a serviceman come in. We had something that broke, had to have someone come in. I was very nervous. We were all in our masks and gloves. Oscar was a little aggressive and it freaked me out a little bit. I know he has a tendency, he has some separation anxiety issues. But, Bill, what's going on with this? You've been experiencing a lot of this and been getting calls and questions about this, right?
2: Correct, correct. You know, in my capacity as the director of animal behavior for the Humane Society of New York, you know, we get calls all the time about many different things and I get all the behavior questions and it seems since we've been in the pandemic more and more people in urban areas specifically people from New York City people from LA have been reaching out to me and saying Bill my dog's never been aggressive and now all of a sudden he sees a stranger on the street when we're walking and starts barking and it took like five or six cases before I started putting it together you know in the areas where we took social distancing very seriously we walked outside our home and we walked with caution around people. We were not as close as we were to people. We didn't have guests over our house. And even if we did, we were just being cautious. And I believe our dogs are queuing off of our behavior. They're taking that caution for being, um, staying away to be infected as a cue like, all people are dangerous now. And it's a really interesting phenomenon that could have lasting effects. And I want people to start thinking about it because when we go back to the new normal, You can't assume your dogs are just going to go back to the old life, you know, not just about separation anxiety, because they're used to us being around now, but also about the way they interact with people. They're going to continue to social distance in a way like we have. And so people have to start slowly as we go through phase one, phase two, show them that we're going to be cautious, but people are friendly. But until we get into a phase where we can really interact with other people, it's going to be hard and people have to be cautious of that
1: you know, it's not like before where if somebody called you a dear friend, or if you were Mm -hmm. working with an animal on stage, you could go there and help the dog. Obviously you go into the shelter, but how are you able to tell people to actually do certain things? What are you telling them? What steps should we be taking? You know, I had no idea when the serviceman came in that, Oscar was going to start growling a little bit and kind of walking around. I ended up putting him in the crate. I got so nervous. And, you know, he always had a little tendency for that because Mm -hmm. mom is his world and he's so protective of me. But Mm -hmm. I definitely saw a difference because no one has been in the house for months.
2: Right, right. And they think that's on purpose, that you're purposely not inviting people over because they're going to hurt us. So, what I've been advising people to do as we've been going through phases, if you have a close friend that knows your dog, invite them over to come hang out with them in the backyard. Just come over and say hello once a day. Or if, you, if you're really worried about that, hire a pet sitting service You know, to come to your house and instead of watching your pet, they just sit outside with your dog. Try to get in that phase one as many people over as possible. Phase two, as we start going out of our homes, right? What you have to do is literally reintroduce your dog to people. So for example, you know, I would come to your house, Jill, and give you a big hug, right? And your dogs would see that and they'd go, oh, Bill's here. So now when I come over to your house, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a treat Mm -hmm. and a leash for the dogs. And I want them to see you give me the treat. Then you say, it's okay. And I offer the dog a peace offering. That's how we're going to have to retrain our dogs who have taken social distancing seriously back into getting friendly again. Um, that's what we do with dogs who have been abused. You do one person at a time, and so that's what I'm suggesting to people, you know, so whatever phase you're in, if it's phase 1, have people come over to your backyard to just hang with your dog. Phase 2 and 3, go out and start making friends again, you know, and reintroducing them one by one.
1: Those are all wonderful tips, and the one thing I worry about since I rarely leave home, I mean I think 5 days ago I went out Finally, I had to go somewhere and pick up some things I needed. And I was so nervous. And other than a walk, I haven't left they're also going to experience some form of maybe a little depression. Forget separation anxiety. They're so used to seeing us 24-7 that when we all of a sudden leave, are they going to be now so worried we're not coming back because they haven't seen us leave for months?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I'm anticipating a really big problem with our pets, and hopefully they don't end up back in shelters. And not just for our old pets. But for our new, the new ones that have been adopted, the new ones who have been adopted during the pandemic don't know what life was before we were hanging out with them all the time. So they're going to have the hardest time you know, when those people start leaving again, because they don't have any frame of reference, which is why we're saying now, give them time by themselves every day, You know, even just go out of your home and sit on your porch or go out and be in front of your building so that they get used to you not being with them all the time it's a going to be a big thing. And I, and I'm want everybody to be aware of. And that's what this show is about making people aware of what they need to do with their pets.
1: That's such great advice. I'm going to start to take all of your suggestions in consideration right now. And I'm going to act upon them today because that really scared me a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I can see the differences in the personalities. And while it's so great, I mean, there's no better quarantine couple than, you know, me being with my pets, I love it. But the downside is when you slowly start to do your normal life and go out again and do things, you're going to have situations. So, that great advice, great tips, Bill. And, you know, we have been so fortunate not only to know each other, but just watching you in your career, the relationships you've developed with these famous people, these incredible people because of their love of pets. And our next guest coming up is a very good friend of yours the one and only Joel Gray. Tell me a little bit before we bring Joel in. We're so excited to have him here. Tell me how you met Joel.
2: You know, Joel is a, an icon in the acting business and directing business. And at the annual Broadway Barks, sponsored by Bernadette Peters, probably three or four years into it, he was coming to appear. And I was standing backstage and I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and he goes, Hi, I'm Joel Gray. Aren't you Bill Berloni? <laughs> Starstruck. I was just wow. starstruck that he knew my name. But he, like you and me, has a piece in our heart for animals. And he wanted to meet me to see if there's anything he could do to help in our efforts, you know, to become compadres and raising awareness. And I've had the great pleasure to have him at many benefits, to invite him to shows, go to his shows. And it's that commonality of heart, Jill, that makes us make someone like Joel not just a great actor, but a great human being.
1: Well, we're so excited because coming up, the one and only Joel Gray. Stay tuned.
2: You know who the latest trendsetters are in hollywood how about irish setters find out who's been spotted with spots chowing with their chow and shopping for gucci with their poochie get, get this scoop on
0: all the latest celebrity pet patter right here pet life radio let's talk pets
1: let's talk pets
0: let's talk pets,
1: let's talk pets. on
0: pet life radio pet life radio pet life radio.
1: Welcome back to Rappaport to the Rescue. I'm Jill Rappaport. And okay, folks, hang on to your seats or hold on to your pets. Hold them tight because we have a legend in the house, the one and only... Joel Grey. I am so honored that he is here to join us today. As I mentioned earlier, the list of accolades, the list of awards, an Oscar winner, a Tony winner, a Golden Globe winner, unbelievable actor, and perhaps the thing we love about him most that many of you may not know but those of you who know him do is that he adores animals. Joel, welcome to the show. <laughs> And Bill and I were raving about you earlier. I'm sure your ears were ringing, but you and Bill go back a long way. And what's so incredible is that we know you from your incredible roles, of course, Cabaret, not only on stage, but also on the big screen, the 1972 adaptation. But you are such a lover of animals. And Bill was telling me all about your beloved Chihuahua.
0: Yes, Miguelito. He he was the greatest dog. He was 16 when he finally got some terrible animal, you know, infection and went very quickly. But I've never recovered.
1: Yes. When they go, a piece of our heart goes with them, doesn't it? I'm looking for them every day. Well, you know, you've been talking to Bill over the years, and I know that you're without a pet now, and there really is a little bit of an emptiness in your life, not having that wonderful four-legged fur angel in your life, isn't it?
0: I don't think it's so little. I think it's a big emptiness.
1: You want to get another dog then, right? Is that what you're hoping to do? Yeah,
0: I think I will. I think maybe, you know, once this pandemic is quieted down a bit and we can think of other things, I'll be ready.
1: Of course, you're going to go to Bill, the expert extraordinaire. Bill, it's going to be a wonderful job for you. There's nothing more than we love when somebody says to us, We're looking for an animal. We're like, Yes. So tell me what it's going to be like when Joel picks up the phone or texts you and says, I'm ready. Find me one now.
2: Well, we've already had that conversation. And Joel's looking for a small little five pound dog, a little Pomeranian mix type of furry thing. And I've been on the lookout and I've brought him a dog or two to see if it was a match. He didn't feel it. So, you know, it's all about finding the right dog for your lifestyle.
1: Yes. Joel, isn't that true? Because I always say in Rescue, and I've been doing this now for a number of years, and I always say that it's not about a home. It's about the right home. Because if it's not the perfect fit, the perfect match, sadly, unfortunately, that happens a lot. And what happens to that animal? They end up back in the shelter system. So, you know, firsthand Having Miguelito, the love of your life, when you find that one animal that touches your heart, that pulls at your heartstrings, that's the one for you. And you know that's the match of a lifetime.
0: Let me tell you about how I found him. I went to a pet store. You're not supposed to do that. No. 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 (laughs) 18 years ago on Lexington Avenue, that famous pet store. And I walked in and the guy was pushing me around, showing me this dog and that dog. And, And I looked at Miguelito and there was something... Very winning about him. And he was only four months old. And I said, I think this is the dog for me. He says, Oh, no, 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 no. He's not perfect. <laughs> Either are you. <laughs> he said, You should have a perfect chihuahua. And I said, Do me a favor, wrap him up. I'm leaving here <laughs> with him. And I don't ever want to see you again.
1: Now, he was saying that to you because you were Joel Gray, that you deserve perfection because you're a superstar?
0: Well, I guess so.
1: How annoying was that? And meanwhile, little did he know that you and Miguelito would have so many wonderful years and such an indescribable bond. And
0: he was so handsome.
1: (laughs) Just like his owner. Now, tell me what it was about Miguelito. Tell me about the bond and, more importantly, how he changed your life.
0: Well, He was just, you know, feisty and playful and sweet at the same time. He wasn't really too challenging. And then one day he had never barked for some reason. He had no reason to. Mm -hmm. And he barked and I looked at him and I said, excuse me, what was that? That was the last time he barked.
1: Really? So What was that about? Why do you think that was? Bill, maybe you could answer that.
2: He had nothing to say that he felt anybody (laughs) should listen
0: to.
1: (laughs) But how many dogs never bark? That's amazing, though, because, Bill, how many dogs never bark? I mean, come on. That's a rarity, especially with all due respect to chihuahuas. They can be a little yelpy, right, Bill?
2: Yes. Yes. And that's probably what the gentleman was talking about, that he wasn't a boisterous chihuahua, which is what people might expect. But what ended up was was, uh, Joel had a perfect companion. Perfect.
0: There was nothing wrong with him, but he just—he life was good.
1: Tell me how he helped your life in terms of your amazing career. I mean, everything you've done, and we were just talking about. First of all, your career. Every time I've ever seen you, the general response is people have their jaws are literally dropped. You can physically see people with their jaws hanging down after watching a Joel That's Gray a performance. It's a
0: medical problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, literally, Fiddler on the Roof. Yiddish. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of, from a nice Jewish girl's standpoint, that was truly the most incredible performance. You are unbelievable. And I only say that because you've taken on roles in your career. Talk about tasking and, you know, amazing physicality and just the dialogue and what you have to go through to be performing in these roles is truly I'm awesome struck. And how do you do it? You manage to do it. You never slow down.
0: I've been very lucky in my whole life. Plus, I get excited all the time. I I look at the sky and I see clouds like I've never seen before. And I'm like a brand new kid.
2: You know that Joel has gotten into photography later in his life. He's had shows all over New York, right? Your first show was with a cell phone camera, wasn't it, Joel? Your first photography
1: show? That was the third. That was the third?
0: Yeah. Why
1: photography? How did you get into that? Just another that was, form of art? I really
0: loved it. And um, I took pictures forever of my children. And uh, I had a dog when I was like eight or nine years old. And we had just moved from Cleveland to Los Angeles. And her name was Lulu. And she was sort of like Mike Miguelito. And the same clothing <laughs> and everything. And I'll never forget that one day we went to the back of our house and found the Lulu, our beloved first dog, poisoned. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, the neighbors never acknowledged, but it was devastating.
1: How traumatic. Oh, my goodness. How did your children handle it?
0: Well, this, no, I was the child.
1: Oh, okay. Oh my God. How did you, that has to be something that you never get over. I never do. What a horrible experience. Yep.
0: And there's nothing we could do.
1: But you know, I look at you now, you know, we don't discuss age here as uh, my favorite line is age is just a number and mine is unlisted, but you know, you are still very vibrant out there feeling great working. What is your secret? Obviously, loving life, but what gets you up every day? What's the impetus for you?
0: I guess maybe curiosity is a big word. I'm really interested in the why and what of stuff. Curious, curiouser and curiouser. That feeds me.
1: During this pandemic, when so many people are all by themselves, you don't have a dog right now. Is it a lonely time for you? Is it a time of reflection? Have you grown closer to your children? What's going on with you now during this very unusual time? Well,
0: my whole- entire family is on the West Coast. So we're on FaceTime all the time. And uh, I am really suffering like everybody. There's nobody in my house but me and my photographs and my memories of my dog and my family at the end of the day and the beginning of the day and my close friends. It's, it's a new world and one that I would not recommend.
1: How are you dealing with that? Because it is, it's is—it's depressing. There's no other word for it, and especially when you're by yourself.
0: Yeah, and I'm a very much a people person. I love my friends and I love to be with them and my children and
2: you're also a philanthropist. Anytime there's a charity, especially an animal charity, Joel is right there with us. He's always there. He's always out. He's always ready to lend a hand. And uh, just, you know, and you uh, love Nick, You walk all her, the time. I mean, Bernadette's
0: Broadway Parks this mm-hmm. year. You know, she's doing it on virtually. Zoom. Yeah. yeah. But you good. know,
1: Joel. For someone like you, I'm a little bit more, believe it or not, of a homebody. So this is kind of an extension of how I really live. I basically stay home a lot, except when I'm doing things for my career to promote animal welfare and to go out and to help the animals. That's basically it. So I'm used to being home by myself. But for someone like you who is so active, so out there, it must be just a real adjustment for you.
0: Yeah. And a perfect example is... This happened right after Fiddler. And that whole Fiddler company, I mean, doing something so strange and unusual and unexpectedly successful, all those wonderful young actors became part of my life. And all that just stopped.
1: And especially in being where the epicenter of the pandemic if you're in New York City you can't even go into an elevator without feeling terror fear everybody that comes near you does he have it does she have it it's such a surreal time you know and you think about the days when we used to be able to hug and kiss and you know hold on to people when we see them
0: oh, no hugging no kissing zooming
1: zooming But what a strange new reality, especially for those of us who are so used to being out there, someone like you. And brings me back to the point of an animal. I would think this would be the ultimate perfect time to want to find that best friend companion, that quarantine companion. Oh, love that. We're looking at a, a great photograph right now. But I really believe that. What do you think? Should Bill get on the move immediately as fast as he can?
0: I think we have to wait a bit for the, this pandemic to have its, its moment. But if that right dog came, you know, life is always ready to change.
1: And Bill, are you on a constant look or are you just kind of keeping it on the back burner? Where are you at with this, Bill?
2: Oh, I'm always on a constant look. I have a file cabinet in my head of looking for the right dogs for people and knowing Joel's lifestyle, his personality, the dog he needs is out there. But Joel, just like the pandemic closed everything, you know, know. at the Humane Society, we couldn't take in dogs. We can't do adoptions because you can't have people come out.
0: So. And I'm um, told that people can't even find rescues. These days. Is That's that right. true? It is. It's true. Because, because so many people need closeness that you have with animals, right?
2: right? Yep. And so as soon as I can travel some more, I'm gonna continue to look in other shelters or you know, on the east coast. But yeah, it's been a tough time because people do want to get those pets, but we have been we have to remain safe. We can't just be out there taking chances right now.
1: For me, when can we look forward to a change? I mean, until a vaccine comes out, which could be a year from now. I mean, Joel, how are you conducting your life on a day to day basis? Do you go out to the store?
0: Well, and some days for cocked. <laughs>
1: for cocked. Yeah, I know that word. Absolutely. But are you trying to at least get out a little bit for walks during the day? Do you go into stores at all? I mean, to get food? Very little. Because you're too afraid, obviously.
2: I brought up Joel's photography because he he brings a smile to my face every day. Follow Joel Gray on Instagram and Facebook, and you will see a beautiful photograph every day. Yesterday, the clouds, the horse clouds, Joel, they were beautiful. And he does flowers. He sees beauty everywhere. And I look forward to what you post every day because it's just, it's still art. You're still an artist. You're still making people smile and think. So that's what Joel Gray does for me every day.
1: Well, and Joel, you're the type of actor. I mean, talk about being in high demand. I can only imagine once things hopefully get back to normal, I would imagine you're fielding offers and exciting opportunities. Are there any opportunities you can tell us about now that we can? Yes, report? we're
0: going to do borrowed Time on Zoom.
1: On Zoom. You're kidding. Wow. That's going to be incredible.
0: Yep. And the cast so far is incredible. Sam Waterston and Blair Brown and Philippa Sue (gasps) and B.B. Newworth. It's going to be really good. And it's the last week in July.
1: That is amazing. So you're finding celebrities, actors of your caliber, everyone stepping up to the plate. To be able to do something, even on Zoom, this is an unbelievable opportunity that people will be able to get to see.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful play, and oddly enough, it's about death holding the world hostage.
2: How ironic. And it has a special place for you
0: when you were a child, right? I was nine. That's how I began in the theater, playing the little boy in On Borrowed Time.
1: Wow, so it's really all full circle here. Absolutely. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Amazing. So you're home, preparing, learning your lines. I mean, I can't even imagine. No, I'm not
0: acting. I'm directing.
1: You're directing. Oh, okay. Wow.
0: I played the little boy when I was nine.
1: And now you're going to be directing. And I'm not nine anymore. Well, you could have fooled us. That's incredible. So, And tell me, you know, so many actors, they say it's the dream of theirs to go from acting to directing. How do you feel about that? Do you love both equally, or is this the... Yeah, I, I
0: actually, I actually would rather now direct. I just love the giving back aspect of it. Helping an actor find the sense of a role is joyous for me.
1: But what about the challenges of directing on Zoom? This is going to be something unique.
0: Yes, I don't have a clue. <laughs>
1: Don't tell the other actors that. (laughs) They they
0: all know it, but we're going to figure it out together.
1: You're just going to wing it and go for it, right? No, we're going to prepare. But isn't Zoom, I mean, you're dealing with a whole technological aspect that is so new to all of us. We'll still work with the
0: actors and we'll still make a real effort to tell the story.
1: Unbelievable. By the way, how's Jennifer doing?
0: Fantastic. She's my angel. She's just writing a memoir.
1: Oh, she is? How wonderful.
0: So good. She's read me some of it.
1: I-, I was just watching, ironically, Dirty Dancing was on the other night. And I just, just obviously, just you like Cabaret. You
0: watch when it's on,
1: right? Isn't it one of the best movies of all time? And your daughter just to say stole the show. She literally stole the show. You know, it just amazing. And the line, no one puts baby in the corner.
0: Jennifer in the corner.
1: Well, you must be so proud of her too, right, Joel?
0: Thank you. I have a son too.
1: I know you do, and you you just yeah. Tell me about because we just celebrated Father's Day. Tell me what they did for you on Father's
0: Day. He called me and uh, took some pictures of animals.
1: Oh he did. Oh. He's
0: a big animal lover.
1: See? Like and father just, like just, son.
0: All all of my whole family there's animals everywhere.
1: Well, Joel, it has been such an unbelievable pleasure to have you here today. You are truly an amazing human being and I'm just so honored that you took the time out for Bill. And for me to be here to talk about your life, your career, you shared very personal moments of how you're feeling during this pandemic, very sensitive moments, very frightening moments, and also the fact that you're so open to opening up your heart and home again to a rescue animal from Bill we have to get you back again on the show when Bill finds that perfect pet. And my new puppy. That's right. We're going to do part two with Joel with the new pet. And I know that that animal will add so much joy and beauty to your already incredible life. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And, Again, we are so thrilled to have you here. And Bill, you got a great friend there. I mean, unbelievable, your relationship. And it's so amazing that in your career, taking these rescue animals and bringing them to the stage, you're able to meet people like Mm. Joel and bond with them over our love of animals, right? Exactly. Well, Joel, again, thank you so much for taking the time. We will have you back again with your new rescue pet, I'm sure. Bill, as always, I'll see you next week. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to another great edition of Rappaport to the Rescue, if I do say so myself. And again, please stay safe and stay positive. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.